Yes or no? Let me sleep on it, baby, baby. Let me sleep on it. Well, let me sleep on it. Welcome, Pewter Report readers and listeners, to another edition, a draft week edition of the Pewter Report podcast, energized by Celsius. I am John Ledyard from pewterreport.com. Along with me today is Scott Reynolds, also from pewterreport.com. And Scott, we've got a great show because A, it's draft week. It's one of our favorite weeks of the year. And Amen. B, it's the final mock draft Monday for the Buck Seven Round That's mock right. drafts that we've been doing. All draft season long. You were pretty excited about this one, Scott. We think we might have figured some things out. Yeah, maybe. Ultimately, we're going to find out Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, John. And uh, the interesting thing about about this year's mock, and it doesn't happen very often, but we've had a different player at number 32 for every single mock draft that we've done. Uh, you look back in certain years, John, and in 2015, we had Jameis Winston as, as the quarterback at number one overall in all five of our mocks. Just uh, just two years ago, we had Devin White in four out of our five mocks. Um, yep. we, we basically wanted to put him there, but we said, okay, let's just change it up and we'll go Josh Allen from Kentucky in the middle one. But the first two and the last two were Devin White. This year wow. at 32, um, we might not even – be right in any of these because we don't know who's going to be there at 32 and neither does Jason Light. That's what it's makes a lot this harder year, at 32. It, it, yeah, exactly. It's what makes this year fun and, and interesting and exciting. This is uncharted territory, not just for us, but for Jason Light, the Bucks, and for Bucks fans, John. Yeah, I mean, I know that some people are like, oh, Bucks fans aren't going to be that into the draft because, you know, we just, we don't have, it's 32nd pick and 64th pick. To me, I'd be even more tuned in to, especially people like us, or nobody in the national media is caring or tracking about what the Bucks are going to do in the draft. Right. You know, you and I have spent the last, you know, several months trying to figure that out. And so we are super excited to be talking draft all week. Uh, we're going to have some great shows lined up for you. And then obviously the mock draft, uh, or sorry, obviously the draft shows that will be happening live during the draft on Thursday night, Friday night, and Saturday all throughout the day, day three of the draft. That runs like 12 to 6 or 7 or something like that. So we'll be on yep. for all those hours. going to be lots of great content coming up here. And yep. as always, Scott, it is brought to you by our friends over at Celsius. John, our friends over at Celsius have a tremendous giveaway. What are you drinking there today first? Let's see. I oh, I got the mine. wild berry again. Gosh. I haven't stopped since last week. Yeah. I can't find that. I got to go to Amazon and, and get some. I've looked around town and, and I, I'm out of it at my house. So I'll I save one. I'll bring some. you one for the draft show. on. Please. That's yeah. awesome. I'm rocking the the peach vibe today. It's Very quickly well. becoming one of my favorites. It's, yep. it's not too sweet, which I like, but it's got that great peach flavor. But you know what, John, our friends at Celsius have got a great promo going on. We talked about it last week. It's going to go all the way through May 1st. You can win an autographed Scotty Miller football and a one-month supply of your favorite Celsius flavor. That's going to go to the grand prize winner. The good news is is nine other winners are going to get that free one-month supply of your favorite Celsius flavor. Here's how to enter. All you have to do is subscribe to Pew Report TV on YouTube. Take a screenshot of that. Follow Celsius Official on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Take a screenshot of that. Follow Scotty Miller, that's at MillerTime3 underscores, number 10, on Twitter or Instagram. Take a screenshot of that. John, what are you going to do with these screenshots? You're going to take those, and you're going to upload those mm -hmm. at the website Celsius.com backslash Peter. All they need is your name and, I think, email address, and upload those pictures. It takes less than 30 seconds to do that. Yeah. And your name will be entered into a, a raffle to win the autographed Scotty Miller football and the free one month supply of your Celsius flavor. And, and the great news, John is, is even if you don't get that, that grand prize, you can still win Celsius a whole month yep. supply. So it's a fantastic promotion from our friends at Celsius. Make sure you do that. It's quick, free and easy to enter. Yeah, absolutely. That uh, format that they have that's in there for you on that. If you follow that link, 
very very easily uh easy to follow that um so it's great stuff from celsius as always yeah we got to go our box news as we always do to start the show if there's anything yeah. to talk about bucks officially picked up the fifth year option on vita vea we knew it was coming jason Light right. told us during one of his uh, media calls that it was coming that they were going to pick that up so it wasn't necessarily surprising or anything like that but right it's still good to know that they've locked in vea and i believe the price like seven million or something like that i think that's very yeah. reasonable because he hasn't made a pro bowl yet it, it really is and uh you know and and i think too you're you're looking at a contract extension uh coming up after this year um i think it's safe to say vita Bay is going to be in tampa for a long time he is a franchise cornerstone piece of this three four mm -hmm. defense and um he's a unique find there's just not many guys uh, that are built like that, that can move like that, that, that are as important as he was. And as good a job as Raheem Nunez Roches and and uh, Steve McClendon did, John, when you look yeah. at at the impact that he had in allowing Shaq Barrett and Jason Pierre-Paul to combine for five sacks in that NFC Championship game, and then for that, that Bucks defense to just hound Patrick Mahomes, it all starts up front with that center getting driven right back into the lap of the quarterback, thanks to Vita Vea. Yeah, for sure. He is, like you said, a very unique player. Not many guys that can be as destructive as he is against the run game and still help out the pass game as much as he does yep. in terms of pass rush. He is really, yeah, he's one of a kind in that regard. I can't think of anyone. I know people will give Kenny Clark, but Kenny Clark moves. You know, he's just, frankly, he's just, Vita Vea really needs power to win. Like, that's how he wins. And yeah. in the NFL, you know, not many guys can win with just power because it's just really hard. Everybody's strong. You know, you have to have right. something else and he really doesn't need that much else. I mean, he'll keep getting better, I'm sure. But the fact that he wins the way that he does with just raw power is really, really impressive. Yeah. He is one of a kind. So, and you know what? It, it, here's the funny thing. We had Vita Bay as a Bucks best bet. We had him in our mock draft uh, back in 2018. And, uh, and there are a lot of people that, that were clamoring for, for um, uh, Derwin James, the strong safety out of Yes, uh, I was one State. of those people. Yeah, I was not yeah. not at the time with Peter Report, but yes, yeah. I was one of those people. Yeah, and and you know, and he would have been a good pick. Now he's had some injury concerns, and yeah. and and that was a, a concern of the Buccaneers right. because he was not always healthy at Florida State. But um, you know, Vita Vea was not a popular selection when when he was drafted, and I think now as as time goes on, Jason Light looks uh, kind of genius in the selection. And and the great thing is is even when he was drafted, he was drafted when Mike Smith was the defensive coordinator running that four, three scheme. And, and he's actually a better fit for this three, four defense um, because what, what Jimmy Lake, the, the Washington defensive coordinator, head coach, that style of defense is very similar to what Todd Bowles runs, John. And that's a little mm -hmm. bit of a foreshadowing to another Washington Husky. We might be talking about in a few minutes, but Vita Vea, a great fit for this Bucks defense, Todd Bowles, with this 4-3-3-4 hybrid defense, he's one of a kind. Yeah, for sure. And let's let's go. Let's talk about it. Let's let's go to this mock draft, our final right, seven-round mock draft, Scott. We can't stop talking about Washington Huskies, no That's matter right. what we do. We've <laughs> talked about Levi and Wazirike. Yep. We'll probably talk about Elijah Molden at some point. We joked around about Keith Taylor during the Senior Bowl. Yep. And we're finally obviously going to talk about Joe Tryon, who's the buck we, we spent are. the most time talking about. Yeah, and, and you know what? I'll tell you what, right before we do that, since we're talking about draft, we're going to promote at the beginning of the show and at the end of the show. Uh, let's let's get to it real quick with regards to our draft show. It's coming up Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, right? 7 p.m. is the start time for Thursday. The actual draft starts today. John and I will be on an hour beforehand, kind of setting the stage for what could be happening, really kind of diving into the NFC South too, John, because so many of those teams are picking in the top 10, uh, top 15. So we can, we can talk about that as well as setting up what might take place for Tampa. Then Friday, uh, the draft starts at, at uh, seven o'clock. We go on at six o'clock mm. and then Saturday, the draft starts at noon. We go on at 11 mm. and we'll be kind of be resetting the draft board for Friday and also for Saturday too, as the Buccaneers start day two and day three and take a look at that. Of course, it's powered by Edmondson electric AC and security. So make sure you tune in a uh, wire-to-wire -wire draft uh, coverage we're going to be on for probably about a collective 20 hours plus. <laughs> but, John, as, as we get back to the mock draft here, let's let's go ahead and start with with this Washington Husky uh, that we have at, at the top spot. We had him – actually, we're talking about Joe Tryon, the outside linebacker. Mm -hmm. We had Tryon as the second-round selection for the Bucks in our second mock draft. That was before the pro day. 
We actually right. had Levi Anzarike, the defensive tackle, in there at number 32. And I don't think that's too much of a stretch. It's just that after the pro day, this is a big dude, John. 6'5", 260 pounds, running a 4.65, had some very good uh, explosive tests in terms of the, um, the the vertical jump and, you know, the um, – uh, I, I think he did, he well, fared, yeah. He I think he did well, well in the shuttle as well. He, yeah, he did pretty well in everything. I think honestly, you know, I mean, he, he didn't. I don't think he he you know broke the bank in any regard uh, regarding his test. But I do yeah. think that he showed that he is a very good athlete. We know he has the size. We know he has the physicality. We know he's he's tough. Everybody talks about his football character and his work yeah. ethic. And the the tricky thing about Tryon Scott is that. He was raw, and then he came it, it, coming out of the 2019 season, and certainly some improvement over the, yeah. the latter stretch of the season, production-wise at least. I think if you watch the tape, skill-wise, it didn't look that much different maybe from early in the season, but I think he was starting to get a better feel for, okay, this guy, you know, he's oversetting. I can just run run, yeah. run inside of him, you know, basically that kind of stuff. His awareness was improving, but overall I think that he's still a pretty raw player. And yeah. you have now a situation where he didn't play this past season. He's coming right to the NFL. So there are great traits, but he is ultimately still somewhat of a project as well. Yeah. And yeah, he's, he's a project. Yeah. He's a project, John. And, and, and this, the Buck Scouts have really got to make a projection. And one thing that I know that they liked uh, when, when you, when you look at, at, at the, uh, the, the eight sacks he had as, um, as a sophomore in 2019 was the fact that, that they came in the second half of the season. He had three games over the last um, four weeks of the season where he had double-digit sacks. He were not double-digit sacks. Sorry, he had multiple sacks. Two sacks uh, apiece against Oregon State, against Utah, and Washington State. And that happened at the end of the year. So you kind of saw the light bulb coming on. And one of the things that the Bucks really like about this guy is just his violence. He's he's a, a physical, nasty guy. He's a hustler. Works hard in the weight room. I mean, he's got a sculpted, chiseled physique. It's oh, we, do you guys tell that picture you put in your article? The one of him, like by the, is it like a tie or something? Yeah, he's, I, he's shirtless. Yeah, I, I'll try to pull it up here for you. But Dude. yeah, I mean, he, he's <laughs> that picture. Yeah, See if you can upload that one because that picture yeah. is absolutely bonkers. He is a rare physique. I mean, not many dudes look like him, even in the league. Which has obviously some great bodies and some guys right. that really looked apart, but this dude is definitely built different. And if he, you know, if he, if he's sending you the right vibes as a person, as a worker, as an athlete, obviously checks the box. It's like a lot of the things you want to work with. If you were taking yeah. Joe Tryon and you were telling me, all right, the Bills or the Bucks have a hole here, there he is. Right. I mean, like, well, yeah. I think that guy looks ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. um, if you were there like, they have a hole and they've got to put him into, then I'd be like, okay, well, I, I don't know if he's ready for that role yet. Yeah. But for him as a player, it's a great chance of success for him as a player because he'll yeah. get to develop in a terrific environment for his success long-term, which is exactly right. what you want. And you know what, John? Okay, why is that picture important, right? I mean, uh, we've seen a lot of workout warriors that have yes. great, you know, phys uh, physical, uh, chiseled physiques and all that. But here's why it's important, because he took the year off. What did he do with that year? Mm -hmm. he, he hit the weight room. He worked on his body. He worked on his craft. And – and that's that's apparent, right? right. I mean, it's it's not that that the most physical chiseled guys are gonna are gonna automatically be destined for success in the NFL. We've seen the Savvy Piscatellis, the Quincy Blacks here in Tampa, Savvy, um, you know that 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 could win the beach body contest, but not right. really perform, right? And I right. mean, even Michael Pittman, I mean, he's not one of the best running backs of all time. Is the is the best looking running back from a, a physique standpoint? You know, uh, Noah Spence to a degree, exactly right. Mm -hmm. Um, but, but what it, what it shows is this guy didn't take the year off, right? He, right. he took the time to get better. He's serious about working out, working on his craft and, um, you know, and, and, and I, I think it shows at least in that picture. For sure. I think that you, you said it, and I just read a quote from a scout in an article on the athletic that he said about Gregory Russo, who jumped what 30, 30, 31 inches or something, not very yeah. good at his pro day. And he was like, this guy had all year yeah. because he didn't play this season and all right. year to get better at the vertical jump, which is something you could train for and sure. improve. And no he doubt. just jumped 30 or 31 or whatever it was. He was like, that's just disappointing. So that speaks to what you're saying with trying. It looks like he took the year off and made the most of it. Same with a guy like Jamar Chase. Scouts have talked about that meaning a lot to them. And I think it'll mean a lot to teams. The only question for me really is if he's there at 32. I think if he's there at 32, Scott, he's the pick. I think you and I yeah. feel fine about that. Question is, is he going to be there? 
There's other teams with interest. Certainly not a great draft for pass rushers. I think I'm into the point now, Scott, where I think where we wouldn't have said this a month or two ago, two months ago, maybe. Yep. I think Joe Tryon's going to go ahead of Jason Away. I think he's going to go ahead of Joseph Asai. Yep. Uh, I think he's going to go ahead of Gregory Russo for sure. Yep. So I think you're talking about a situation where the only edges I really think they're going to go before him, Jalen Phillips, Queenie Pay, and then we'll see about uh, Aziz Ojolari. But right yep. now, if I had to guess, Scott, I'd say Tryon's the third guy off the board. So does that leave him there for the Bucs? That's where things get a little bit... A little bit touch yeah. and go. Could they trade up for him? I, that would I would not be a fan of that, but I'm yeah. just throwing it out there. <laughs> well, the, the thing you like is is the frame, and he's got 34 inch arms, is 6'5", 260 pounds. And the difference between he and uh, Aliz Ojari, um, Ojolari from Georgia, for example, is Ojolari is 6'2", 249. And yeah, it, 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 you're looking at a, at a longer guy mm-hmm. in Tryon, and um, and and he's going to resemble more of the Jason Pierre Paul. Than he is the Shaq Barrett, right? And physically, so, I, yeah. from a physical standpoint, so, right. um, so that, that's the guy we have in there. You look at, at Washington and the fact that that uh, they've got Vita Vea, they've got Benning Potoahi on the team already. Um, you can kind of see, right, some 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 of of what they like. And mm-hmm. Jimmy Lake, a friend of mine, covered the uh, Jimmy Lake during his two stints in Tampa when he was uh, Raheem Morris's assistant DB coach. Mm-hmm. When Joe, uh, when uh, John Gruden was the head coach, and then when Raheem became the head coach in Tampa, uh, Jimmy Lake was here as the actual defensive backs coach, coaching the entire secondary. And um, you know, Jimmy's worked his way up the, the ranks. He was Chris Peterson's right hand man, was the defensive coordinator for Washington, became the head coach last year. Only only got four games <laughs> out there in the Pac-12 with the, all the COVID situations, but mm-hmm. went three and one and speaks very highly of this. Jimmy Lake will shoot me straight. And the quotes that I got for the SRS Fab Five yep. match exactly what I heard off the record. Uh, right. he, he's not going to sell me a bill of goods. He was exactly spot on about Vita Vea when, when mm-hmm. I, I contacted Jimmy a couple of years ago about, uh, about Vita Vea's chances of fitting into Tampa. And he thinks – the world of Tryon and Anzarike and thinks both of those guys would be fits in Tampa Bay. And right. I wouldn't be shocked, John, if if, if uh, Anzarike is there on the board at 64, maybe you pull the trigger there because he is a classic three technique. He wins with quickness off the ball. He's got good hands, good feet. Um, I'd like to see him a little bit bigger than the 290 that he's at, but, it, but he's kind of a, of a chisel guy um, right there. Well, I'd be I wouldn't be a fan of either of these picks, just to be clear, but I get it with Tryon. I get the process with Tryon. I think it is a position where you can take guys that are raw and take guys that have athleticism. And if you have the right system in place and you have time to mold them, that they can be molded a little bit. Yeah. I don't necessarily feel that way about defensive tackles, especially in the NFL right now. It's just such a high threshold. I mean, you just have so you have so few play guys who can't play the defensive yeah. tackle. Almost everybody can play. So if you can't and you take a while to catch up usually that position group leaves you behind. So I'd I'd be more I would be more invested in Tryon as a Buccaneer than I would be on Wazirike. But certainly yeah. some good and James asked if we care about physique now. Remember Taylor Mays from USC? <laughs> certainly yeah. the Ron Landry, there's plenty of guys with bad physiques. Yeah. There's plenty of guys with good physiques that ended up good. Or we just are talking about we're talking about the fact that it obviously matters to that degree. We're not saying we like the pick because of his physique, but it's nice to know that uh he uh is swole and doesn't I, I, need physical yeah. development. I, I, and here's and here's why it matters because Gaines Adams was allergic to the weight room at Clemson. Like that was the mm. that that was what the uh, the, the Clemson uh, strength and conditioning coach, I believe, told if my memory's correct, Rich Basaccia, who went on the scouting mission with Monty Kiffin uh, at the request of Bruce uh, Allen, the general manager. Yeah, um, uh, was the running backs coach for, for Clemson for a while. He knew the lay of the land and all that stuff. He, he wanted both those guys to go there. Monty Kiffin comes back and says, oh, Bruce, you got to draft this guy. He's the second coming to Simeon Rice, blah, blah, blah. And Rich said, nope, don't draft him. He is allergic to the weight room. And 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 that's why it matters. It matters because uh, it, it's it's a reflection of work ethic. It's it's Listen, there are plenty of guys that love the weight room more than the football field. So mm-hmm. it's, it's not always a telltale sign. But if you're not going to work on your craft – Part of your craft is being physical, gaining yep. strength, right? Being faster, those types of things. Your body is your office, as they say in the NFL. And if you're not willing to spend time in the office, like what's the point? You're fired. That's right. Hey, Brady didn't have the best physique, though, Alex That's reminds right. us. <laughs> so yeah. But quarter, quarterback play is really from the neck up. 
that's, that's really what it is. Right. It's a little bit different, but yeah, I think Alex is being funny. So I appreciate yeah. it. I remember Brady Quinn had a fantastic physique, you know, and didn't, didn't matter at all. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Great looking guy too. Peyton Turner. Pete, Leon wants to know about Peyton Turner. I don't know what he wants to know about Peyton Turner, but he is not our Bucs second round mock pick. Who is our Bucs second round mock pick? Well, let's go to, to that mock draft board, shall we, John? And let's just talk about these guys here. So in the second round, we have got Landon Dickerson. John, why yes. did we move Landon Dickerson, who was our first round pick in the, our last mock draft, which was number four, mm -hmm. to the second round here, which is our final mock draft, John? Yeah, this is one we got a lot of comments on Twitter actually about and on the site too, I believe. Uh, people saying that they felt like we cheated it to get a guy we wanted in the first round. Actually, I'm not sure that we even did it. I'm more of the mind that did we even make a smart decision to get him and take him in the second round? Because as far as we know, Dickerson could be off the box board, Scott. I mean, we really don't know, but we do know that he is off some teams' boards or in day three range for some right. teams' boards because of his injury past and injury history in his past. So, yeah. That is something that we don't have insight into the specifics about how the Bucks see that necessarily, but right. we know it's a concern around the league. Other people have reported this too, that it's a concern around the league, over, especially over the last week or two since those medical rechecks, or I guess checks in Indy. Um, yeah. So that is the issue with Landon Dickerson. It's not a talent issue. We've said before, if it was a talent issue, he'd have gone in the first round as a lock. But it's a, it's a, it's a health issue with Landon Dickerson, both long-term concern about how his body will hold up, for some teams, and some teams don't. I right. mean, you heard this with Miles Jack, right? He fell to the second yeah. round. Miles Jack hasn't had any injury concerns in the NFL. Right. But like sometimes they just get wrong with these things. They say the guy's got you know these long term concerns that we need to think about with his injuries. I don't know if that's going to be the case with Dickerson or not, Scott. I just right. know that it is the case for some NFL teams right yeah. now. And I think the other thing too, John, is is that while he can play guard, I think a lot of teams are looking at him as a center. And there's only X amount of teams that need a center, right? It's it's one of those positions that that uh, that could slide a little bit if you're if you're a team that even if you mm -hmm. need a center, are you going to prioritize that? Are you going to do so with a guy that may not be ready by the start of the season, right? Right. So or at least may not be ready for training camp. So um, teams might want to sit there and say, I want somebody, I want my first round pick to be healthy walking in the door mm -hmm. to participate in all the OTAs because I want that player to make an impact from day one. And the beauty of that in Tampa is, is the Buccaneers don't have a need for him immediately at center or guard. He could be the heir apparent to Ryan Jensen next year. He could be the heir apparent to Alex Kappa at right guard next year. But the Bucs, if this guy's not medically ready for training camp or even at the start of the season, that's fine. You know, they don't need him right now. Right. And I think he will be, I think he'll be ready based on everything we've yeah. heard about his, 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 pro, his prognosis and the progress that he's made in terms of his recovery. The big question with him is how hold up long term, whether those injuries will reoccur. And I know right. teams, especially with medical info, you've heard now how many GMs have we heard in the last few days yeah. say how ridiculous it is, how little medical info they have yeah. compared to other years. That is going to scare teams. Right. They are not going to feel completely comfortable with a guy like Dickerson. Right. I mean, I, I really think he could be on the board late. Now, I have no clue. It only takes one team. Takes he, could one drafted, team. Right. he could draft a late first mm -hmm. round. One team is just like, we don't really care. Like, we've seen right. that happen tons of times before. And, and you know what? I, I think the Bucks are in position where they can do a little bit of gambling, John. I think, I sure. think they, they're in a position where they can gamble because this is about want, not need. And that brings us to our third pick, Trey Smith from, from Tennessee, the, the guard. Very talented player. Trey Smith uh, has some health issues of his own. Now, not recently, but this was a player that, that missed five games in his, I want to say it was his junior season, um, mm -hmm. where he had blood clots in his lungs. And now the great news is he's actually, there was a sophomore year. He battled back and has played in, in the last 23 games. So very much like, Landon Dickerson, where he had basically two years worth of starts yeah. um, in between ACL injuries. Trey Smith is an absolute people mover, 6'5", 321. John, what can you tell us about Trey Smith? Well, consistency is a huge issue. The highs are so high for Trey Smith. He is a, Everybody raves about him as a kid. They rave about his work ethic. Obviously, he was a big recruit, and it never went to his head. He is always put it 100%, team first guy, the, definitely the type of person, type of play demeanor that the Bucs would take, I think a fit schematically for what the Bucs would do. So all those things are positives for the pick. The negatives, like you said, the the blood clots issue, you know, it's, it's kind of followed him. I don't know 
what the long-term prognosis is for it or whatever. I don't, it doesn't, hasn't heard anything about the NFL being right. super concerned about it, but he did miss some practice time at times uh, due to it, even this past season. So something teams are going to have to weigh. I think he has to get a lot better technically. He looked heavy footed at the senior bowl. I thought but he has amazing size. He tested well, which shows that whatever he's gone through, it has not taken away from his athleticism. Right. He still has that upside. It's just about consistency. His best reps are great. He just isn't reliable right now. That's fine. Take him in Tampa Bay, yeah. cultivate him, bring him along, get him to where he needs to be, then put him into the starting lineup. I think it's an ideal spot for him. I think from from a demeanor fit, he's exactly what they want. He's a nasty finisher. He's a mauler in the run game. When he gets mm-hmm. his big mitts on somebody, he, he's a people mover. Yeah. And I think I think where he he has to work is is the pass sets. I think he's got to be consistent there with his punch, and he, he lunges at times. You see that. Um, but listen, uh, you're, you're talking about a guy that loves football because mm-hmm. it's easy to check out. It's easy to say, well, you know, I mean, I got the blood clots in the lungs. Maybe this isn't for me. But he battled back from that and, uh, and, and really is, is widely regarded as, as one of the high-character players in the, in the Tennessee program. I think he's a scheme fit in the Bucks man-blocking scheme too. Yeah. So I, I, I think that, that if they were to come away, John, talk about the value real quick of, of solidifying that offensive line in in the second and third round if this team were to go dickerson and um and smith back to back yeah i mean you obviously take a little bit of risk on the health front with both guys that's a theme throughout our draft here it's one of the tricky parts about drafting as low as the bucks draft you're not talking about just a third round pick you're talking about like the what the 90 whatever sixth or seventh or whatever it is pick in the draft like that's let's low down the board you know what i mean so yeah. you've got to basically include that in the evaluation process of saying like okay it's not just a third pick it's basically you're getting in that range where you're probably talking about fourth round grades on right. your board um so that's what you're getting so it's going to take some time uh and development especially for trey smith i think dickerson could play if he's but those two, I think, have the chance to be your long-term. Obviously, Smith would have to flip. But Smith played a couple different spots, too. I think he's played, played left tackle everywhere too. but center, right? I yeah. think, if I'm remembering right. So That's correct. I think he could play. He could be your right guard. Dickerson could be your center. But really, it gives you options, Scott. It doesn't mean those are your definite right. two guys. Next year, maybe only one of them starts. Maybe Dickerson's a guard, and you right. bring back Jensen and Trey Smith's yep. backup, and that's where you're at. It just gives you options. It gives you flexibility. You don't have, don't have a lack of complete lack of leverage when you're going to negotiations with Jensen or Cap or both, right. whatever it ends up being. You know, they they have now some options with some younger guys they can develop. Exactly. The fourth round. Speaking of development, uh, Minnesota cornerback Benjamin St. Juice. Now he's an interesting guy. Uh, but he played really well at the Senior Bowl and probably up to stock a little bit. If you remember, the Bucks have drafted a couple of Minnesota Golden Gophers. They got a uh, a pretty good one from the secondary up there in Minnesota. Uh, Antoine Winfield Jr. and then came back and got Tyler Johnson, the wide receiver from the Minnesota program. The thing about about uh, Benjamin St. Just that's interesting is just his length. He's 6'3", 202. He is a press man corner, 32 and a half inch arms. It's hard to complete passes against guys uh, that, that are that long, John. And, um, you know, he is he's still an up and comer when it comes to his ability to make plays in the ball had 10 pass breakups and, uh, and only, you know, actually didn't have an interception. Um, that doesn't scare me too much because I've seen how Carlton Davis was really slow to kind of develop into a playmaker. And, and, and you look at, at his ball skills, right? I mean, this was a guy that couldn't catch a cold the first year or two in the league and then had four interceptions last year, probably dropped right. a couple more too, but he's really become a ball hawk. And I think that, that uh, this is the type of player with with the physical traits and the competitiveness that could be a fit in Tampa. Absolutely, definitely the physical traits that you talked about. I mean, we know the school; they have some familiarity with it, that school. Clearly, they feel comfortable with that school. So, I think that definitely matters when you're looking for guys and where they represent the right things and things like that. Um, man, St. Juice had a really good season last year, and I think that that again, that arrow pointing up might kind of matter for them moving forward. I mean, didn't give up a lot of big plays, I felt like. And then, you know, also the the wingspan, right? I mean, yeah. <laughs> this guy has crazy length uh, at that position. He's a good tackler. That's something that matters to them for sure. Physical guy, yeah. Physical guy, yes. Probably at his best if they stayed sort of a cover three guy, but also can press. Um, don't know whether he's going to be mirror and match against all matchups, but he's a good developmental option. He's depth. Again, you're talking about bottom of the fourth. So we're talking about 
guy that's going to come out and be a special teams guy right away. He's going to be your yeah. fifth cornerback this season. You know, that's that's what the Bucks are drafting. If they're right. taking these guys, and everybody wants to see him become number one players, but we're talking about guys that you could hopefully can be your fourth or third corner, maybe someday. You know, right. down the road, like this year, and you know, know what? they're the fifth. It's interesting because we anticipate Carlton Davis getting a big contract, getting. Mm-hmm. A, a shutdown cornerback contract. Well, the problem with that is, is, is you really can't afford two guys. You certainly can't afford three guys at that position. And we know that with the Buccaneers, like all NFL teams, playing so much nickel, having three really good corners matters. Well, okay, so you pay Carlton Davis next year his money. Well, John, you got two guys in the same draft class, Jamel Dean and Sean Murphy Bunting, coming up right behind him. They're in year three now. They'll be yeah. in their contract years the next year. Logic says you can only keep one of those players, and it's still to be determined which one has more value. Or if you want to keep either of them. Or well, if you want to keep see, either, I mean, exactly. Certainly arrow pointing right. up after last season, but it's a question. Right. No, you're right. So it, it makes sense getting a cornerback, and we have them drafting a cornerback in the fourth, but, John, our cornerbacks preview just came out today, did a great job on that. There's a lot of interesting selections maybe in the second round. We were studying those Georgia cornerbacks hard. Um, what, what, what can you tell me about those guys real quick? And, and you can right. read more on pewterreport.com in the cornerbacks preview. But if, if they want to go cornerback a little earlier, there, there's a lot of, of day two corners that might right. really appease the Bucks here in second and third round. They could draft a corner in the first round. They could not draft one at all. They could draft one in the fourth and that be it. I mean, it's really hard to know because, like you said, they have their top four guys for this season. They're ready to roll. Those top four guys, you know, I don't know who's around next year. I mean, Carlton Davis, you'd think will be, but again, contract yeah. year. If he plays great, he's going to be asking for top money, you know, no question. Sean Murphy Bunting, Jamal Dean. You know, in a year where they've signed one guys like Steve McClendon and they've signed, mm-hmm. you know, Leonard Fournette to one year deals, a couple guys got two year deals. Yeah. One of those guys, Raheem Nunez Roches, the other guy was Ross Cockrell. Ross Cockrell, right. So again, I think that that, to me, that move was a little bit of insurance. Like, right. if Carlton, obviously, but even if, Sean Murphy Bunting really struggles, or probably more like the Jamal Dean, really, because right. I know they love out and and really struggles. Then yeah. okay, maybe you're thinking a little bit about what needs to happen at this position. Is Ross going to be the, the kind of the bridge guy to whoever we draft, whoever we take next, or whoever we slot in there next? And maybe that next option is whoever they draft in, in this year, or maybe it's a guy next year. But I, I just think corner is. Uh, should be on the radar, not only because the Bucs could have a need there. It's one of the most important positions to have depth in the entire right. league because you play three at a time. You could play four at a time in certain matchups against certain teams. You could have one guy get hurt. You need the fourth corner to be able to step in and play. What if he's your slot? What if the other team puts their number one receiver in their slot? It's just you cannot right. say enough about how important it is to have corners. I mean, the Chiefs, I know they don't have big-name corners, but they had four guys they felt like they could play. It's a right. big reason why their defense has been as good as it's been. It's probably the most unsung reason. We've seen it over the years. Baltimore's a prioritized corners. That It's just a really, really important position to make sure that you have depth at. So I'd love it. Yeah. I'd love it early in the draft. I think the Georgia guys, Tyson Campbell, Eric Stokes, could be options, 32. Maybe Campbell gets to 64. I, it doesn't sound like it. Uh, we'll see. Uh, I like Melifonwu as well, Ty. I think Ty Melifonwu, uh, Ifitu Melifonwu from Syracuse is a really good player who fits the box really good in zone but compressed as well. So there are a couple guys in this draft that really are. I know people have talked about, I've seen people mock Elijah Molden to the box. I don't know if I see that one. He's a, he's a nickel-only yeah. guy, and he ran 462 at 5'9", 180-some yeah, pounds, 29-inch arms. I mean, he is instinctive. He is right. so tough versus the run, Scott. He character-wise, they'd love him, no question. Sure, but at the end of the day, you want some measurables, and, and that yeah. profile does not bode very well. Not in the first two rounds, anyway. Yeah, uh, for I, a guy succeeding in the NFL. I, I'll tell you what. I I think that the Buccaneers would even take Keith Taylor from Washington um, over Elijah Molden just because of the size. Oh my. He's, he's more of a scheme fit. Six two, hundred eighty-seven. Much later, yeah, day yeah, three. But I'm just you. saying, okay. if you had to draft one of those sure. cornerbacks. Elijah Molden's the better player, but for Tampa, Keith yes. Taylor, that bigger corner is is more of a fit. I mean, uh, folks, when you're looking at, at Tampa Bay, uh, they're not looking at cornerbacks under six feet. I mean, they're just not. Right. Um, and and that's why some of the names we've thrown out there, uh, Eric Stokes Unless you're from a Georgia. beast return, man. Yeah, we'll get to them in a second. You're right. You're right. There's, there are some exceptions, right? Uh, Tyson Campbell. Um, uh, you know, Eric Stokes, those two from Georgia, you know, both are, are six foot, six foot one. Yep. Um, 
you know, Aaron Robinson from from UCF. Uh, you know, he's got smaller arms. He's kind of in that 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 cusp 5'11", 186, probably not. Um, Robert we'll, Rochelle, we'll 5'11", 193. Yeah, might, we might talk about Robinson some tomorrow. But some of those guys, are, I know Central Florida guy. There's probably some people that are curious about all the box feel, but I have thoughts on yeah. him to share in tomorrow's podcast yeah. as well. But yeah, I think that it's a position that they definitely could look at. So St. Juice, good developmental option there. Yeah. Then you go round five. Again, just depth at running back, right? Give yourself another option. Uh, give yourself a guy who can do a little bit of everything. I read a, a couple scout quotes from Bob McGinn's articles in The Athletic about Khalil Herbert, and it was very much, this guy's kind of good at everything. He's not really yeah. great at anything, but he's just kind of good. He pass protects, he catches the ball, he's tough, he's high character, right. um, runs hard. You know, he's not really big. He's not really good tackle breaker. But, you know, hey, like round five, uh, those guys, it sounds like a special teamer, sounds like, he could yeah. be you know, your last running back um, every year, you know, for the next four years. I love right. it. Uh, I love it. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, for, for fifth round. And, you know, I, I think the thing is that that's kind of like Keyshawn Vaughn to me, John, mm -hmm. is Keyshawn Vaughn really like a fourth or fifth round running back that got yeah. overdrafted. And and Kilo Herbert is similar in some ways. So why would they draft another one of those guys? Well, in, you know, in some ways, Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette are similar. They both struggle catching the ball. I think Fournette's a little bit better at it than Rojo. I think Rojo's a, probably a more explosive runner, pure runner. You know, but but size wise, they're they're kind of built the same now that Ronald Jones is is up around 220, uh, 225. So um, sometimes, if you like a certain body type, if you like a certain style of runner, you get to and then find out which one's the the better one. And the, the thing that that uh, Herbert does and does well is he offers some kick return ability. He averaged twenty six point nine yards per kick return last year, and um, you know he's kind of a versatile player. And he's also a Virginia Tech guy, John. You don't think that matters, but last time I checked, the head coach yeah. went to Virginia Tech. He's got a, <laughs> a Hokies flag on his boat up there at um, at Lake Oconee, and. Again, it shouldn't matter, but it does, right? I mean, um, last year, Jason Light and Bruce Arians told each other, they said, uh, I'm going to draft a, a Cornhusker somewhere on day three for my, my dad, Ron Light. And lo and behold, there's Khalil Davis in the sixth round. And same thing, uh, as, as a longtime Temple guy, it's where Bruce Arians got his head coaching start. He said, I want to draft the Temple guy. Lo and behold, there comes Chappelle Russell, the linebacker in the seventh round. Doesn't make sense. Don't recommend it. But no, not, not a great strategy, team, but <laughs> it's not my team, right? Or not, or so, those seventh round picks haven't been working out for a reason. Right. But here's the thing: if you draft Khalil uh, Herbert in in the fifth round, I guarantee you, Bruce Arians would say, "Well, he's a hokey running back, even if it's just for a year. <laughs> he's more of a Kansas Jayhawk than he is a a, a hokey it's running a, back." But yeah. but shit like that matters. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's game, I don't know that, why. Yeah, that's the way that it goes. Sometimes yeah. it is pretty funny. Uh, I think Herbert, yeah, could be a good option. That's the kind of player you're looking to add, typically that range of the draft. Isaiah McDuffie, interesting yep. choice, Boston College linebacker. You know, this is a guy, I think, how many mocks have we had him in? Two. two? We've okay. had him in two, and we kind of like him, and we like him yep. for for certain reasons, John. That's right. Uh, one of those reasons is he's really fast. He ran a four five eight, and that's pretty good time for a linebacker, especially one that might last a day three. He's productive. Yep. He can rush the passer. And uh, he dropped into coverage last year a little bit more often and got himself an interception. So he is that classic, fast, uh, developmental day three linebacker that the Bucks like. And speed matters. Got to mm -hmm. be fast, got to be physical. Those are the two things that Bruce Arians wants on defense, and he checks those boxes. Right. Oh, for sure. He it definitely represents a lot of what they prefer at those positions. And a lot of what's smart to take chances on late in the draft. You know, I thought yeah. Dane, Dane's draft guide had a good quote. My favorite thing about Dane's draft guide is not just the, if you don't, don't check out Dane Burgler's uh, draft guide on The Athletic, I love the, the insight he gets on injuries. Yeah, yeah, injuries and character and coaches' comments from other yeah. from about players. Like that gives me the insight that I, because you know, I can evaluate them, but I don't, I don't I have time or energy or right. uh, capability to contact all these people that he does. And so, you know, when he says uh, Boston co head coach or Boston College head coach Jeff Halfley says he's got the right attitude, the right makeup, the right mentality. Uh, so I think that that definitely speaks to something that the Bucks are going to prioritize that yes. range of the draft, special teams, a uh, guy that can hit, uh, very aggressive, good in the open field. That makes a ton of sense for them. I, I would love that pick if it happens. Yeah, totally agree. Uh, so we're sticking on day three, John. And, you know, when you look at, at, uh, at the seventh seventh round, you're basically just drafting 
priority free agents. That's really what you're doing yeah. is, is I don't want to have to make the, the sales pitch call to this kid. We're just going to take him in the seventh round. Boise State tight end John Bates, they have signed a lot of Boise State players as undrafted free agents for whatever reason. That's kind of a pipeline program. John Mulchon from uh, Boise State last year was yep. one. They drafted – it didn't really work out too well, but they drafted uh, uh, the running back um, from there. And the uh, Jeremy McNichols. Jeremy McNichols a yeah. couple years ago, yeah. So, um, you know, they had a receiver from Boise State a couple years ago and as, an, as a free agent. So – we're going to go with tight end John Bates. Uh, he is kind of the classic Y tight end. He is yeah. 6'5", 250 pounds. He's a good blocker. He's known for blocking. He likes to block. He's an okay pass catcher. But mm-hmm. think Anthony Outlayer. That's kind of the player that they replaced and or they're looking to replace. Um, I don't know that they even need a blocking tight end when you look at how they use Joe Haig as that extra blocker, getting that that reserve tackle on the field to be a blocker, but this guy can go out and do something that Joe Haig can't do, John, which is catch yep. passes. We saw that in the end zone in the Super Bowl. Joe Haig, bad hands. So um, I think that's a situ- situation where there's a seventh-round pick. He comes in and uh, and adds some depth. And, and the interesting thing about the tight end room, yes, Rob Gronkowski's back. Yes, O.J. Howard is in his fifth-year option. Um, but those guys, along with Tanner Hudson, only under contract for this year, Cameron Brait will be – 30 coming up in July 31 next year and he'll be making over six million dollars so that they might want to throw another young tight end in the mix to develop for uh you know for down the road right absolutely I mean I think that's exactly what you're looking for you're looking for a guy that could play a role down the road you're not looking for guy to replace Gronk you're just looking for right. a guy who who can we get in there that can play a role if we yeah. do happen to lose a bunch of tight ends next offseason or whatever do we have a guy that we we got in here we developed a little bit right. we feel like he could do the bare minimum at least to the position and then and he's a good special teams player too and yeah. that, that's what you're looking for on day three is mm-hmm. linebackers defensive backs wide receivers running backs tight ends guys that will run down and cover punts and kicks and right and while and we're talking about special teams, oh the Bucks are going outside the box, Scott, for one of your yes. crushes in this draft. Boise <laughs> State cornerback Avery Williams, he's a small guy, but the oh impact on special teams is large that this guy makes. Yeah, he's a small guy, John. He's five foot eight. And so immediately you're not thinking defense with this guy. What you're right. thinking about is is special teams. He's not coming in to compete for Ross Cockrell's uh, roster spot. He's not coming in to compete for uh, Jamel Dean or Sean Murphy bunting and push those guys. No, what, what Avery Williams is doing at five foot eight, one eighty seven. he's coming in to replace Ryan Smith, the special teams ace and gunner for the Buccaneers. This guy is way better than Smith though on special teams in terms of his versatility. He's blocked kicks. The guy blocked five kicks. And when I say kicks, I mean extra points, field goals, uh, a punt. He actually blocked a punt and recovered right. it for a touchdown and then he can also return kicks. He's got three kick returns for touchdowns, and he's got five punt returns for touchdowns. Uh, they technically count one that he blocked <laughs> as a six. But you're talking about a total of nine return touchdowns on special teams in addition to the five blocked kicks. That just so, doesn't even make sense, man. Like, yeah. how is that? <laughs> he just has a knack for it. He's got a knack for special teams. And on, on day three – Guess what, John? If you are the last cornerback on the roster, if you're number five or six, you better be playing special teams. And that's what this guy would be drafted for. He would be drafted for four years to come in just like Ryan Smith was. Everyone's like, why is Ryan Smith on this team? For special teams reasons. And that's why you draft this guy. That's what day three is all about. Finding depth, but finding guys that can make an impact on special teams. Right. And this guy, that's all he did. Oh, well, actually, that's not all he did. I don't want to, I don't want to sell him short. He actually is a pretty decent defensive back. Now, in Tampa Bay scheme, John, he'd only be a slot corner. You can only right. put him inside. But if you look at what he was able to do, he had four career interceptions, five forced fumbles on defense, and then had, let's see, 17, 18, 22 pass breakups as a four-year starter on defense. This guy is competitive. Yes. He's a gamer. Uh, he has a, you know, if you're small, you better be fast. He runs a four, four flat. Right. So I, I like the kid's makeup. I like what he does on, on fourth downs. I mean, what do you even say? Nine career touchdowns on return. I mean, five far returns, three kick yeah. returns. I mean, this is crazy. I just, yeah. 
I don't remember that happen. I don't remember nine before, and I don't pay a ton of attention to special teams, so maybe I missed it. But yeah, it seems crazy to me that that uh, that that guy. He's barely been talked about during this draft right. process. Um, so yeah. it's it's crazy. But also the fact that he runs a four four to me that shows that that can train that kind of success can translate. If he ran four six, yeah. and I'm gonna be like, well, is it gonna you know? But the fact that he runs four four is pretty pretty good for his stock. Right. Yeah. And and the thing too is is you're getting him on day three. Ryan Smith was a fourth round pick. And, and you know what? Avery Williams might go in the sixth round just because of that return versatility. Sure. But listen, Tampa Bay, kick returns one thing because you don't really control your kick return game, right? The kicker does. Mm-hmm. If it's a touchback, then you can do about it. Punt returns, different story. The Buccaneers have not had a good return man really since what Clifton Smith, Carl the Truth Williams. Those are the two that stand out in my mind. They could use an upgrade in the return game, and, and Avery Williams could be that that factor. Five punt return touchdowns. The Bucks are the kind of team, Scott, that could see this guy, and if they love his return ability because they don't have a lot of holes, yeah. and they just want to say, let's try and score on special teams yeah. this year, they could take him in the round. fifth. I mean, they yeah. could, like we just don't yes. know. You know, it's they're not in the position of other teams where they're like, wow, we can't take that guy. We got to try and find a, yeah, you know, a number two tight end or a number number four corner, number three corner. You know, in the fourth or the fifth. You know, that's right. That's not where the Bucks are at, so they could do some crazy things. Uh, I don't yep. think it'll be a kicker or a punter, but I think special teams could be a big priority for what they're taking. That's the only thing they lost. They yep. lost a couple special teams contributors. So That's right. That could be a priority day three starting early on in the draft. So, yeah, it's great stuff in the draft. Real quick before we wrap up the show, Scott, I wanted to make sure that I mentioned, again, our friends at Playbook Products because – actually, I shouldn't say before we wrap up the show, but I should yep. say before we talk about a few more offensive linemen and defensive linemen yes. that the Bucks could draft. But before yep. we do that, our friends over at Playbook Products are changing the game, Scott. They are doing some awesome, awesome stuff with these mugs. Great plays in Super Bowl or Bucks history, Super Bowl history, other teams. If you like football or whatever, NHL, NBA, it doesn't matter. You know, If you like, they, they have stuff for you, coasters and mugs, all kinds of stuff over on their site. Go to playbookproducts.com. Check out their stuff. Makes great stuff for your man cave or your woman cave, but also more, maybe more than anything, great gifts for people. Terrific gifts for people. Uh, Mother's Day, Father's Day coming up. Um, and obviously the start of the season, not that far away, believe it or not. <laughs> the time is flying since yep. the Bucs won the Super Bowl. Uh, we'll get to that point where people are, yep, they're looking for this. Yep, Pick those kind of additions. Love it. Yeah, it, it's, it's awesome stuff. So check out playbookproducts.com. Make sure you get into what, uh, they're putting down over there some really good stuff. This O-line class, Scott, mm-hmm. we know the Bucs are going to do something. We yep. know center could be a possibility. Here is my thought process for why, if they want to take a center, maybe they want Ryan Jensen back, but if, they, if they're thinking about center and they don't know for sure what they're going to do with the position – one of the things that I think about this draft is that they're going to go center early, Scott, because there are centers. You'll hear people talk about, oh, the depth at center in this class right. is great. That's true to a degree, but it isn't necessarily true for the Bucks scheme. Yeah. If you are a zone-heavy scheme, a lot of these guys a are going to be for you. Yeah. yeah, Kendrick Green from Illinois, zone-heavy right. scheme. Michael Manoy from Penn State, zone-heavy. Drew Dahlman, zone-heavy. Those guys have to really be in zone schemes, even if Royce Newman is moving to center. Right. Same thing, Drake Jackson from Kentucky, yeah. same thing. You know, I think Robert Haynes even from Notre Dame, if he moves to center, he played right tackle last year. He's right. a zone scheme center. So maybe you make David Moore a center, Grambling State guy, if you take him. That's a possibility, Scott. I think Josh Myers from Ohio State could work in any scheme. I really liked his tape. Still yeah. think he's probably more of a zone guy. Real quick, that center group, that is good. Yeah. And it matters for that position. You don't sure it does. If you're trying to double team guys off the ball, you're vertical or you're horizontal. The mm-hmm. scheme really matters. I think Landon Dickerson and Creed Humphrey are two of their best bets in this class. I mean, those are the yeah. two. After that, it kind of falls off if you're looking at that type of center. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, I watched a lot of, of Big 12 football being a Kansas State alum. So I've seen a lot of Oklahoma games. And Creed Humphrey, he's a fantastic technician. You look at the size, 6'4", 302, and you compare that, you know, to 6'6", 330 pounds for Landon Dickerson. Those are two different body types. Yes. The thing about Creed Humphrey, though, is you got to remember, A.Q. Shipley was the player that they signed when they needed a backup center, right? So um, I, I don't know that they're beholden to having a, a big guy in there. I know Ryan Jensen is a fairly sizable guy, 6'4", sure. 315, 320 pounds. But Creed Humphrey is such a good technician, and uh, he's you know he's he's as close to an NFL prospect. Uh, he and, and Dickerson, like you said, are the, the cream of the crop when it comes to the um, – 
the center position. Quinn Miners is another guy, and I think that he's going to be drafted higher than the Bucks like him. We've had him in some some mm. of our mock drafts. We've kind of been pushing the the Quinn Miners narrative a little bit, but people have probably noticed that we've backed off. We that backed off we a little bit. Talked yeah. much about Quinn yeah. Miners. It's not that they weeks. don't like him. It's just right. that I think he's going to get drafted on day two, and I think the Bucks see him maybe as a fourth round pick. Maybe if he's there at the end of round three, but I think he gets drafted before then. So that kind of took him out of consideration for us a little bit. Yeah. But yeah, I I would say, you know. But he can definitely be scheme versatile as a center, by the way, Charlie. Although I think, again, he's going to probably have the zone background a little bit too. Yeah. Creed Humphreys is a player we haven't talked about enough. And I think that could be a player that's in play in the second round for the Buccaneers. Yeah. We, you and I have texted about a couple players the last few days, last week or so that we've said, we probably need to touch on this guy on the show because we really think he could be a possibility. And I'm going to write an article, actually. Hopefully it comes out. My uh, should have my final 32-team mock draft dropping tomorrow morning. I'm finishing. I'm about halfway through that right now. And right. then tomorrow I'll have an after, uh, article, hopefully in the afternoon, if all goes well, that uh, will highlight the players I think the Bucks should take. And, and yep. then I'll have one on the players the Bucks. I think they will take, too. And I think right. Creed is one of those guys that might fall into both groups. Mm-hmm. Um, I We'll see if it's a 32. I think he definitely could sneak into the first round, but he is, you know, he is one of those guys that tested like an elite athlete uh, yeah. at his pro day. Oh, yeah. I'm not saying he's an elite athlete, but he can definitely move. He can he can do give your offense a couple things because he can when the Bucks want to run split zone mm-hmm. and they need him to reach somebody, he can do those zone blocks. He can execute yeah. those reaches. He can also create movement off the ball with double teams. You know, he's mm-hmm. very good at that. And yes, I think that. At times, he does get a little doubled over. Um, his frame, like you said, it's fine, but he definitely will need to become a great technician. He already's a good technician. I think he's right. going to need to keep growing in that direction. His game is – right now, he's molding his game the right way because that's how he's going to win. He doesn't have this great frame. Like Dickerson plays too high, yep. but it just doesn't even matter. You can't move him. He's right. freaking huge, Scott. I yeah. mean, he's huge. And Creed isn't quite the same way. Not that you're going to bull rush through him, but you right. can knock him back for a second, get on his edge. Yeah, I think more sophisticated pass rushers could challenge him early on. But there's a lot to like here, and I know some people in this group prefer us talk about Brandon Thorne. He loves Creed Humphrey. He thinks yeah. he'd be a great pick at 32 for the Bucks. So we'll see what and happens. I, and, and I think too, you talk about about the the guard position, and really, the, there's some early, middle, and late for this team. I mean, there's Wyatt Davis for Ohio State, um, maybe in the second round. We talked about Trey Smith in the third round from Tennessee. Mm-hmm. You and I both like David Moore from Grambling State as a, as a day three guy, maybe the fourth or fifth round. So th- there's definitely some options there. The Buccaneers like those um, those those big mm-hmm. physical man scheme interior linemen. But the other thing, too, you got you to keep in mind, John, is, is when you look at Tampa Bay's offensive line, every single one of those starters – has played left tackle before in college, yeah. right? Donovan Smith was a left tackle at Penn State. Allie Marpet was a left tackle at Hobart College. Uh, Colorado Pueblo, it was uh, that's where Ryan Jensen played at left tackle. Then you've got uh, right guard. I mean, we know Alex Kappa was a left tackle at Humboldt State. And Tristan Wirfs played some left tackle, also played right tackle, obviously, at Iowa. So mm-hmm. don't rule out like a Liam Eichenberg as as somebody who – Yeah, he's our Bucks, Bucks, Bucks best bet, right? Yeah, at tackle. And yeah. and he could play tackle. He could also, because there's an opening right now at the right guard position, if okay. Alex yeah. Kappa departs, right. they could draft him and say, we like you at tackle down the road, but we're going to start you right now at guard. Mm-hmm. I think that's a strong possibility for the Bucs that they would look at the position that way if they take a tackle to move one to guard. Like I said, there are some options, but I think it's at the top for the centers. Maybe Miners in the third round could be an option. He is somebody that could be scheme versatile center, but you're yep. not going to get Elijah Vera Tucker, and you're probably not going to get uh, a shot at uh, moving Tevin Jenkins inside um, or even uh, Christian Darisaw, whatever you want to do. I mean, you're not probably not going to get a shot at those types of guys. Right. So I think, yeah, you need to be thinking about what are your options. And at guard, there's not a lot of guards I love. You're just pure guards yep. in this draft. So, yeah, my strategy would be with you, Scott. I, even though Eichenberg might be a little bit light for what they like, Plays tough. What a great mm-hmm. finisher. I mean, he is yes. so nasty, Scott. <laughs> yeah. He just – every play gets after yeah. people. After a little people, bit of Alex Kappa, you know, to oh, his game. Oh, yeah. You know, and, and, he is and, edgy. Uh, yeah, he is. Uh, and, and, you know, Kappa really, to his credit, really just completely reshaped his body mm-hmm. this past offseason. I mean, he did not look like a guard. He looked like a left tackle playing guard, like long yep. and lean and all that, and, and didn't have the anchor, didn't have the base, didn't have the power, mm-hmm. and would get bull rushed. Guess what? I mean, 
the guy comes back. Um, he's got, you know, uh, bigger thighs, bigger yep. butt. I mean, he looks like a guard now. That's that's what the Bucks brass was telling me. They said, wait till you see Kappa. He really worked on yep. his body. And lo and behold, how did how did that help him? How did that translate, uh, John? Well, he, he went from, from pass protection being a liability to really being a strength. He's the mm-hmm. only starter that didn't give up a sack yep. last year during the regular season. Yeah, he played great, and I think that it's those that mentality that we've seen. It's clear at this point. The Bucks are looking for character, work ethic, durable grinders up right. front. I mean, all their guys have fit that description at this point in time. So yep. that's who they're looking for. That definitely represents Liam Eikenberg. You know, so those are going to be some of their options. I think I don't see you know Wyatt Davis is a guy by the way, Scott. That just reading McGinn's articles, talking to people, kind of reading between the lines, it feels like everybody is down on Wyatt Davis. Like yep. he is going to fall. He could be there for the Bucks at the end okay. of round three. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't shock me if he was into round four. I, I think there's concerns about him. So that could be the pick instead of Trey Smith if they're worried about the health or if Smith's gone when they pick late in the third right. round. Those guys make sense. But, yeah, if you're talking about the first two rounds, uh, I mean, you're looking at pure centers and guards that could be there. Guys who are centers and guard projections right now could be there for the Bucks. I really think Dickerson and yep. uh, and uh, and uh, Creed Humphrey mm-hmm. and then maybe in the third round Quinn Miners. Right. I'm not sure that I see a guard that makes a ton of sense for them other Trey than Smith. maybe yeah. yeah, other than maybe Trey yeah. Smith or Wyatt Davis late in the third. Right. But with the first two picks, first and second, it's probably center. It's probably yeah. one of those centers or a tackle yeah. moving to guard. That's the way I, I see it. I think yeah. that, that that's what that pre-draft process is kind of narrowed down right. for me with the fits. Well, and speaking of draft process, we're going to plug it again, John. We've got our draft show coming up Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, right? This is the PeterReport.com draft show powered by Edmondson electric ac and security thursday check us out at seven o'clock we're gonna go wire to wire from 7 p.m all the way through to the bucks pick later that night friday we start at six o'clock the draft starts at seven and again we'll have coverage of rounds two and three and then saturday draft starts at noon be sure to log on at uh, pewterreport.com we'll have it live streamed there or you can catch us on our youtube channel it's gonna be simulcast between pewterreport.com and also our Pewter Report's YouTube channel, which is called Pewter Report TV. Uh, In case you don't know, uh, you might want to subscribe, but be a good idea to do that. And um, great thing is, John, is is you can check out uh, our YouTube page, Pewter Report TV. Click subscribe. Also click notifications. Just do those quick little things real quick. And that way, when we go live, anytime, you'll get a notification. Yep. And make sure you follow us on our social media channels at Pewter Report, Facebook, Twitter, and also Instagram. Absolutely. Uh, AS wants to know, what if Tevin Jenkins drops to the Ooh. mid-20s? Would you trade up for him? Yes. There has been the Tevin Jenkins yes. slide. Rumors have started. After his stock had moved all the way up to the top 15, now the talk is he could slide all the way back down. Daniel Jeremiah, you could say what you want about whether his rankings are predictive or whether from people around the league. I'm not totally sure. But he put Jalen Mayfield over Tevin Jenkins in the 30s. And I don't think Jalen Mayfield wow. is in the same stratosphere nope. as Tevin Jenkins' players. So, yep. um, yeah, this is a confusing one. I am not sure what is exactly contributed to the recent. I've seen some of the comments and in, in some of the articles that come out right before the draft, the McGinn releases or Feldman releases. I, I don't know. I mean, some of these guys are just scouts talking, some of them are executives, some of the team will still love them. I knew several teams that love them in the top 20. I'm not sure what it is, maybe, but there's right. now this suddenly this chance that he could be there at least in the 20s. I still don't think he's going to fall out of the first round, but yeah. I don't. I'm not advocating trading up for anyone, Scott. Right. I'm not because I don't think that the value is typically there. Yeah, but but you're the Bucks and you're in a unique situation. Jenkins is clearly a fit. I'm not going to complain about it if it happens. I would, I would not at all. If anything, I'd rather see this team trade up and get a, a star player that's going to come in and be a, a surefire starter and and hopefully a guy that can challenge for, for some Pro Bowls. Rather than trading back, this year, John, it doesn't make a lot of sense to trade back and acquire more picks in this draft because I don't think it's a great draft to begin with. And there's a couple of guys, John, probably sixth and seventh rounders that may not make this team. They may be destined for the practice squad because there's just not many roster spots that are going to be open on this team. Years past, this team has kept almost in its entire draft. I think every once in a while you see uh, a Terry Beckner, the seventh round pick, didn't make it. You mentioned Jeremy McNichols, a fifth rounder, d- doesn't make it. But usually the, the Bucks will give their draft class the benefit of the doubt. But I would rather trade up than trade back in this year's draft. Not to mortgage the future to get to 15 or something, but 
maybe if a guy's there at 25 or so, maybe you, you move up and, and see what's happening. But, you know, John, it, it comes down sometimes to if you like two players, right, then you go to the measurables, right? If they, they both have the same grade, you go to the fact that, that maybe one guy's faster or has more explosion mm. or has longer arms, whatever. Um, I don't think that teams would ask this because it's kind of a personal question, that, that Zoom process. But, but, you know, maybe one guy manscapes and the other guy doesn't. <laughs> Right. I'm just I saying something was up. It's just one of those things, John, where sometimes you, know, you gotta know. Sometimes you gotta know. And listen, the first pick of the 2021 men's grooming draft, the Ball Saxonville Saguars select Manscaped, the leaders in below the waist grooming. Looks like Mel Kuyper gave an A plus grade because this pick is a major upgrade for that Bush defense. No. For all of my draft fans. Got an exclusive 20% off promo code. That's pewter at manscaped.com. Now, the reason why Manscaped is the guaranteed number one pick is because of the performance package. You've heard us talk about it, and you're going to hear about it again. This package is the ultimate men's hygiene bundle. Inside the performance package, you're going to find the products and liquid formulations that have been developed to turn your bathroom into a salon for your balls. This package includes the Weed Whacker, Nose and ear hair trimmer, I can confidently say, because I use it, this is the best tool on the market for ear and nose hair. And the thing is, you turn this bad boy on and you stick it right up your nose or in your ears, and it doesn't hurt. It doesn't snag. Um, forget the tweezers. This is the product you use. It's quick and easy, and it doesn't hurt. And that's music to my ears, because I hate using uh, tweezers to pull out my nose hairs. It's, it's awful. So... Uh, imagine showing up to your post-quarantine date with some nose pubes popping out. That's not the best look, fellas. Use the Weed Whacker nose and ear hair trimmer. The performance package also comes with performance boxer briefs. John, they're the best, most comfortable briefs that you ever find. I think you'll agree with me on that. Mm-hmm. I got this travel bag, too. It's called the Shed for when you're done quarantining. And you can use some of these other formula, liquid formulations, such as the this is the Crop Preserver. And then we've got the Crop Reviver. Now, the Crop Preserver, this is the anti-chafing ball deodorant that ensures that your balls uh, smell amazing. And the ladies in your life are going to love this. The Crop Reviver, this is the spray-on toner for your balls. Yep, you heard it right. It's made with soothing aloe and, and witch hazel extracts that make your balls feel like Brady after a little avocado tequila. <laughs> for a limited time, the performance package... You're going to get not just one, but two free gifts. Actually, you're going to get three, but two are from Manscaped. One's for me. Mm. You're going to get the shed, which is this awesome. This is a quality travel bag, John. You got one of these. This yes. is not a piece of garbage. This is a yes. quality bag. Oh, yeah. Plus, you're going to get the performance briefs, which are awesome. So much so, I'm going to buy some more. Yep. Show your support for the show and get 20% off, plus free shipping using the promo code pewter at manscaped.com. They've got a lot of uh, great high-end products on their website from disposable mats for your pubes to foot deodorant. So make sure you check out manscaped.com. Use the promo code pewter and uh, buy the performance package. You get free shipping. Now, the other thing is I got five of these left. This is the Champa Bay, uh, Tampa oh, Bay yeah. Buccaneers collectible. This is a, a colored lossy book. Uh, it's a great collectible. It's got all of the, all of the player profiles, the game breakdowns from the Bucs Super Bowl season written by our good friend, Greg Allman and Joey Johnston. Uh, both of those guys, uh, one worked at the Times, the other worked at the Tribune. So it's a fantastic keepsake collectible. Mm-hmm. I got five of these. If you want this, I'm going to send this to you. All you have to do is the following. Go to manscaped.com and place your order. Use the promo code Peter. Send me your transaction. Send me the receipt, your digital receipt that you get. It does not have your credit card information on it. Don't want it. Don't need it. Uh, but it will have your address. That's what I need. So make sure you send me that at srpeterreport.com. Easy to remember, srpeterreport.com. And I'm going to send you, free of charge, the Champa Bay book. Now, uh, just to let some people know, Scott, uh, they're talking about trading up. And I think sometimes people talk about it and they don't know what it would take to trade up. So I'm using the old trade chart just to give people an idea before we wrap up the show what it would take. Bucks are at 32. To get to 25 would be about would be about an 130-point uh, trade-up. So they would need to basically give up 130 points worth. If you, you can look up this trade value chart online. Yep. This chart is not totally in vogue right now. I mean, it's, some teams still use it, obviously, but they've also updated it. There's been some changes to it. 
So you're talking probably about what their third round pick would be. I mean, that's really right. about it's about where you're going to be at with this pick. So that's to get to 25 from 32. The Bucks would probably be giving up that late third round pick. That and they probably would. That would probably be it. Now, if they want to get higher than that, say you want to get in front of Pittsburgh for Tevin Jenkins or in front of the Jets. I think are 23. If I'm, I'm doing it off the top of my head, but if you're trying to get in front of those teams for Tevin Jenkins to be smaller right. into the 20s, you might be giving up a third and a seventh, maybe a third yeah. and a sixth as you get higher. Um, if two sevens, obviously they could give the Steelers seventh back to him, two fifty three. Right. Um, if they trade to twenty four, the Steelers uh, could move back. But uh, yeah, so I think that uh, that's kind of what you're looking at in terms of compensation. The Bucks would be giving that up. So you ask yourself, are you comfortable with giving up that that late third round pick uh, in a year like this one? I think I would be. I'm not saying I advocate for trading up in those situations, sure. but I like Tevin Jenkins a lot. The idea of him next to uh, him next to Tristan Wirfs long term in the NFL. Yep. Would make me very, very happy. There's no question about that. So interesting position too. If the Buccaneers wanted to trade up in the, the first round, uh, you know Tennessee would be an interesting spot at 22. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're looking at John Robinson. That's that's uh, Jason Light's good friend, the general manager there. They both work together. Obviously, John was kind of the protege under Jason for several yeah. years in Tampa. So just kind of connecting some dots doesn't mean that Jason wouldn't trade with the with the Steelers or Jacksonville at 25 now mm-hmm. that they own the Rams pick. But you look for those connections, you know, and, and 22, Tennessee, that might be a spot where some of those guys that they really want are still on the board and maybe the Bucks move up 10 spots. Right, right. Definitely a possibility. I think that's, Defin- as, that's as high as far as they would yeah, go. That would, would I do. That. Too. That's, a lo- that's a long way to trade up. Right, it does. It, it does. So we'll see what happens. Uh, yep. Certainly lots of options on the table for the Bucs. We've broken out a yep. lot of them on the offensive line side. We've touched on defensive line a lot over the last few months, probably yep. the most heavily. So we touched on it today, but not going to go super mm-hmm. in-depth on that one again. Yep. I think most and people John, kind of know where it stands there. Our good friends at Celsius want us to promote this one more time. Oh, yes. Autograph Scotty Miller football and a one-month supply of your favorite Celsius flavor. Now, the thing is, this promotion only runs through – May 1st, okay? So make sure that you do this and do it now. Make sure you're subscribing to Peter Report TV on YouTube. Take a screenshot. Follow Celsius Official on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Take a screenshot. Follow, follow Scotty Miller. That's at Miller underscore three times, number 10, on Twitter or Instagram. Take a screenshot. Grab all those screenshots on your phone. Log on to Celsius.com backslash pewter and enter your name and email address and upload those pics, and they will register you to win and you can get a Scotty Miller football and a one-month free supply of your favorite Celsius flavor. And if you don't win the total grand prize, nine other winners are going to get a, a one-month supply of Celsius. It's a great yeah. free promo. Enter now. Right. Great stuff from Celsius. As always, we'll be back tomorrow on the show, 4 p.m. Eastern, talking about some of these DBs, going in depth with what we think the team could be looking at in the defensive backfield. Uh, and then, of course, Wednesday, 4 p.m. Then Thursday will be on at night for the first round. Friday again at night for the second round. And then uh, Saturday all throughout the afternoon, bringing you the day three intel that you need on each of the Bucks picks. So as always, thanks so much for jumping in with us and listening to another edition of the Pewter Report Podcast. Out. Out.